Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. With Hurricane Irma now having blown through Florida, this month's World Rowing Championships can now go ahead and the New Zealand team departed this week, hoping to put some of their learnings from Rio in place. Despite a couple of stumbles, the Silver Ferns finally got on top of England, but the series threw up a few issues. New Zealander Dwayne Cale was elected Vice President of the International Paralympic Committee and the organisation faces a few issues ahead of Tokyo 2020. And next, I chat about the state of the All Blacks with rugby reporter Joe Porter. Uh, the All Blacks are, are winning in the rugby championship, but it's perhaps not as uh, winning as impressively as they've done in previous years. But interesting, uh, the All Black camp has sort of come out um, this week and they've talked about how um, they're, they're developing, they're, they're trying different things. And I suppose it's all to do with being two years out from the next World Cup. Yes, that's right. Usually the All Blacks, always the All Blacks try and advance the game forward, no more than under coach Steve Hansen. However, it seems they're doing more than just that this year. Obviously, the British and Irish Lions Tour gave them some food for thought. The defensive rush Lions speed that the Lions brought did blunt the All Blacks on, on attack. And they're now looking for ways, more radical ways, I guess, to get around that. So they're tinkering with the whole attacking setup, the whole structure, moving away from what they've used at the 2015 World Cup. Um, and are now looking to attack exclusively with the ball, removing any box kicks or tactical kicks from their game, relying on short grubbers or behind-the-ball kicks to, I guess, try and turn momentum that way as well. So uh, that may explain some of the more patchy performances as they try to execute these new skills they aren't coming off at times. Could also explain why Bowden Barrett has perhaps looked at times a little bit like his decision-making may have been a a bit strange could be because he's again trying to implement this new game plan so certainly food for thought for us to think about um, and and to keep an eye on during these next few games because South Africa will be probably their biggest test of the rugby championship so far and they play them in Albany this weekend. Yeah Bowden Barrett of course is one of those sort of um, spur of the moment uh, type players isn't he He, he'll just sort of uh, make a split decision to do something but he's obviously following a plan that the All Blacks want to put in place. Uh, there's combinations that have to be gelled. I, I saw comments from Conrad Smith this week also about some of the combinations, especially in the midfield and that sort of thing. And, and he said he and Ma Nonu had years together and, um, you know, it does take a while for those sorts of combinations to be, to be formed. Uh, I suppose, though, the All Blacks can take it as a compliment because every other team is trying to develop ways to counter them, whereas the All Blacks are always looking to take the next step forward, aren't they? I mean, you'll get criticised from British media and that sort of thing, but they're the ones that seem to be trying to implement new things. 
Yeah, and that's obviously what they're going for with an eye on the 2019 World Cup, a new brand of rugby where they attack, like I said before, exclusively with the ball in hand and, and try to exhaust their opponents by speeding up ruck play after ruck play after ruck play, gaining momentum, making the breakdown even quicker than it was before until eventually their opponents run out of puff. And like we've seen, they, All Blacks can run away with it in the last 20 minutes and, and really put those skills to the fore. So that's what they're trying to do. They haven't got it right just yet. We'll see how long it takes. They haven't been helped by injuries. The midfield has been chopped and changed a bit due to injuries, as well as the front row. Like you've got the two best props out for the rest of the season. or well, not uh, not the rest of the season exclusively, but Joe Moody at least. Um, and Dane Coles was missing for the Lions. He's only come back recently as well. They've got a whole... Kaido's been out with personal issues, so they do, they have had some disruptions through injuries and unavailabilities. So there's other things they're trying to deal with as well. They're trying to create depth in positions as well as this new game plan. So there's a fair bit on their plate. Uh, they're still coming away with the victories though, and, and that's the main thing. South Africa will test them this weekend in Albany, so I guess we'll see whether or not they how expensive they try and be and how exclusively they try and run with the ball. Do results matter, or are they going for the game plan? And I'm just going to put you on the spot here, Joe. Because of injuries and other things, we've seen some new guys come in. You know, the, the Liam Squires and uh, Feeters, You mentioned the front row. Uh, Dame McKenzie at uh, fullbacks mm-hmm. being given an opportunity. If you just look in your crystal ball for two uh, two years out, would you expect to see the regular first team guys that we have now playing in the World Cup? Or could you see a few of these new guys perhaps, um, you know, being there as, uh, you know, new selections? Well, as of this point, I don't think there's many All Blacks that have completely nailed their spot for 2019. Bowden Barrett and obviously will be there, Kieran Reid, and there's a few others in the Fords, Whitelock and Retallick are the premier front, uh, sorry, second rowers. Dane Coles, Joe Moody and Owen Franks, the props at the moment. But beyond that, there's room for moving in the loose forwards, I believe. Jerome Kynewant isn't necessarily safe. Um, Sam Kane is probably safe at seven if he stays fit. But do they get, go for Squire at six? He's looked like he's got a lot of potential in the All Blacks. I mean, has Jerome already been passed? It's, that's potentially already happened. Um, Adi Savier looks to have sewn up the impact role, but where do you fit in via Fafita, a guy of such natural ability who can play so many positions, it could well force his way in. And the backs, I think it's a little more open, especially around the midfield area um, and the outside backs as well. Rico Ioane obviously sending jo- Julian Savier packing from the squad. Nehe Milner-Scudder finally fit again after a, an amazing 2015 World Cup. We've seen hide nor hear of him, so... There's a lot of outside backs running around. Does Dag have it in him to go to 2019? He's got a great boot on him, calm and composed under the high ball, a real, a real leader in the back three, but will his body let him get there? Um, Naholo, we'll be, Ben yeah, Smith, Smith with his concussion last, issues. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ben Smith, is, is, if he was fit and healthy, he would start at fullback every day of the week, but... He's got to think about his own and his own mind whether or not he wants to go that far. He could. He's only one head knock away, I'd say, from retiring. No, not you know, touch wood. We hope that doesn't happen. Uh, and but there are guys out there. McKenzie, I think, is probably more of a ten in the future. As the All Blacks have said that before, he'll get a run at ten uh, next year for the Chiefs, and that's where I think the All Blacks see him as playing. But right now, they're giving him ex- some experience at fullback, which is a little bit of a less stressful position um, to see what he can do because he's had a great Super Rugby season for the Chiefs. Um, but he'll need to show some more, I think, if he's to really force his way into reckoning there. Thanks, Joe. That's uh, Joe Porter, our rugby reporter, and this is extra time. Former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering says the recent Test Series against England shows there is a new force in world netball. England went into the third and deciding Test in Hamilton on Wednesday night on the brink of their first ever Series victory over New Zealand. 
The Roses were up 30-26 at half-time, and it took an inspired late seven-goal surge from Bailey Mears and Maria Tutair for the Ferns to steal the series. Yvonne Willering says it's been an enthralling series, and the final game could have gone either way. New Zealand was a more consistent team. Maria Tutair came out on fire. I mean, she had a you know not her best game in the last the last test, so she came out firing. And the combination of her as goal shooter and Bailey Messer's goal attack really worked for the Ferns. And in fact, the Ferns made less substitutions than England did. And the Ferns substitution, I believe, were tactical ones and certainly worked for them, particularly defensively. Kelly Jury is, is, is you know is really stepping as a goal uh, up as a goalkeeper. But Fakahakata when she came on. She certainly took her opportunities and seemed to really enjoy her time out on course. Mm. How do you rate this English side then? I rate them, uh, you know, and it's great for international netball, uh, you know, because we go to Commonwealth Games and we go to World Championships and we always know. We just know it's going to be an Australian and New Zealand final. Mm. Well, now we can see that, you know, the, that English side, if they retain these players, you know, some of them, are, you know, they've been around for quite a long time. Agbezi, for instance, has been in our New Zealand league for quite a long time, was out of the uh, English team and now she's the England captain. So uh, these players will want to stay for England and, you know, they, they've shown that they are competitive. South Africa is another team that has shown that they are, you know, on, on the comeback trail. They just lack international exposure, and that's something that they need. And uh, internationally, you know, we don't want it just to be a, a right. two-team race. So that's your takeaway, really, from it. I mean, it's an, an interesting close series, but you're hoping that this will mean something of a new era in wider competition than world netball. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I hope that certainly happens. And uh, this is an opportunity England has now shown and has that belief. They do know how to win. They, uh, you know, uh, New Zealand. They were just that little bit better last night. You know, they seized their opportunities. A lot of unforced errors, but you know, they seized the opportunities. And don't forget that uh, New Zealand is in situation. They're a squad at the moment. England is a team. New Zealand is a squad. They're coming up in the Constellation Cup. I am assuming that they will select a team of twelve rather than retaining a squad. And so, you know, players like defensively, in the, uh, you know, some of the players are going to miss out on that team. Similarly, in the mid-court, you know, this player is going to miss out. So that must have been in their back of their minds as well. So it was certainly about each individual taking responsibility last night. Yvonne Willering speaking to Morning Report's Guy and Espiner after that series deciding netball victory. The former Team New Zealand skipper Chris Dixon says the change back to mono holes for the next America's Cup regatta should attract more entries. This week, Team New Zealand confirmed that the 2021 event in Auckland will switch from catamarans to high-performance monohull yachts. In 2013, there were just three challenges, while there were five this year, with many potential syndicates struggling to keep up with the changes. Dixon, who has been involved in five America's Cups, says the changes will reinvigorate the regatta. Firstly, I think Team New Zealand uh, on their agenda will be to have a great event, a great regatta. And if you have a party and, you know, four boats, four teams or five teams turn up like the last uh, couple of events, it's, it's not a party, it's not an event. They really need to try to get eight, ten, twelve teams. And to do that, they need to have a class of a boat that encourages new teams and has new teams um, feel that they can be competitive. And I, I think Monohulls will help to do that. I think it'll help to bring new teams and I think it'll help to make a better event. And will they still be able to foil? They'll still be able to kind of lift out of the water in that spectacular way that the catamarans did? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, monohulls, uh, because they're narrow, 
catamarans are very wide. Um, I don't think we're going to see monohulls out of the water, but who knows? Five years ago, we didn't think we'd see catamarans out of the water either. Whatever the boats will be, um, there's going to be more crew members on board. There'll be sail changes. There'll be genicas going up and down. We'll be able to tell whether they're going upwind or downwind, unlike the cats, where I could never quite figure out whether they're attacking or diving. It seems about the same. So I think it'll be a great spectacle. I think the boats, there'll be plenty going on for us all to to watch and uh, be interested in, and hopefully they'll get the teams to make it a great event. Does the change as well mean that while obviously wanting to maintain the spectacle of the racing, will those monohulls still be as as stable and also as manoeuvrable, do you think, as the catamarans ended up being? Well, monohulls, are, they'll be very manoeuvrable, and whatever they are, the teams will figure them out. I'm sure they'll be designed to be very manoeuvrable. Uh, keep in mind, Team New Zealand, it's a new class of boats, and we can say, well, Team New Zealand were the leaders in the catamaran, so why change? But keep in mind, Team New Zealand, uh, they were a new catamaran design, and Team New Zealand did a better job than everyone else on a new class in Bermuda, and arguably they did uh, almost did a better job of it with a new class in San Francisco before that. So Team New Zealand seemed very skilled at taking a, a new design of boat, a new type of boat, and figuring out what makes it go fast and doing a better job at it than everyone else. So I'm sure they'll be fast, they'll be manoeuvrable, they'll be exciting. And uh, Team New Zealand will do, we hope, a better job than all the rest as well. It's Chris Dixon talking to Susie Ferguson. And this is Extra Time. The New Zealand rowing team flew out to Florida this week to compete at the World Championships, trying to take some learnings from last year's Olympics. New Zealand won just three medals in Rio last year, well below expectations. An Olympic review by High Performance Sport New Zealand said coaching and talent may have been spread too thin, while there was a culture of blame for some. Rowing New Zealand's High Performance Manager Alan Cotter says they're working on those issues. You know, we're in it together and we do our best to be together and make sure that we're doing it. Yeah, review time, we review after every World Champs. Olympics the same. It's the start of a four-year cycle, and like I say, we've made that little change in what we've um, with the coach where we felt there was uh, too many. You know, that's what the feeling was at the end of the campaign that uh, we don't want a coach to have more than two crews. So I, I don't think it's uh, we're in it together with the athletes, coaches, administrators. We're all working for the same thing of making sure we get. Uh, fast athletes as well as developing them off the water with their studies and all those sorts of things as well. Uh, so it's a whole person, really. So a world championships like the one coming up, do you do you treat it like an Olympic Games to learn things from it and that you replicate perhaps how you would go into and live for the week or whatever of a world championships? The Olympics is totally different because it's a multi-sport event, whereas rowing world champs, you know, like this year, we're on our own. Uh, we're in a hotel on our own through the uh, organising committee. It's about a oh, five or ten minute bus ride to the course. Uh, you know, the Olympics, you've got different things happening. Uh, you know, last year, there was uh, travel. You go over and do recce's on the place and you travel back and forwards that many times in the car, but then you get there and you're in the Olympic transport and there's Olympic lanes and, you know, sometimes it was taking up to two hours to get uh, from the uh, course back to the uh, village. So those are all the different pressures you have in the Olympic Games. And 
people, that's the, the environment you're in, you can't do much about it. Um, we certainly push to have things done to change that so that we can get back quicker. But those are the sort of... Olympic uh, Games is totally different to world champs, if I can put it that way. Do you sort of... Um feel that New Zealand uh, leads the way, perhaps, in their approach to things? Or, you know, you look at, say, the British, who always yep. do well at events. Do you yep. look at them and see how they run things and think, oh, we can, you know, um, adopt something yep. like that? We've got our own sort of method of um, operating, if you like. Again, uh, yeah, they do things a little bit differently. You know, they go away on camps into Europe, or a lot of Euro one Europeans go away on camps, right? We don't because we've got it here at Karapiro. We've got everything that we need here at Karapiro. But yeah, we have a look at British and you know they got a good system going and been successful for a number of years. But again, that we we haven't got thousands of athletes to pick from. You know we've basically got in, in our program when you take the, what's here at Karapiro and what we have out in the RPCs about a. Uh, 135, 140 athletes where, you know, you're looking at Germany um, and, and, and rowing in New Zealand, we've got about uh, 5,000 athletes. So you look at Germany where they've got 80,000 athletes. So, you know, there's a big difference in the numbers and we've got to make the most of the numbers that we have and develop the athletes that want to stay on the program and go through the pathways. And we've been successful. At World Cups, we've we only go to two World Cups. Uh, this year we got second on the points table, but we won the points for the second and third World Cup. We didn't go to the first, where Great Britain got a, a lot of points. Uh, so we're right up there. Um, so we're uh, what we're doing is working hard and, and, and keeping the athletes coming through, and that's I think we've got a sustainable program and seeing the different athletes uh, be developed over a number of years that can fill those seats of the ones that, you know, finish. You, you'd seen that with uh, Rob Waddell in the single and we had Mahi come through and Mahi's taken that time out of this year and we've got Robbie coming in. So there's good development going on. And so this World Championships, have you set a target of how you're going to gauge success, numbers uh, and medals? Yeah, we've um, got a uh, KPI with um, High Performance Sport New Zealand of uh, three medals. We haven't named what boats they are and uh, we just want everybody to do their best. That's Alan Cotter from Rowing New Zealand. Wellington's Dwayne Cale has been elected Vice President of the International Paralympic Committee. Cale, a three-time Paralympic gold medalist and a Paralympic New Zealand member, will help to lead the global governing body of the Paralympic movement to continue to drive social change through the performances of Paralympians and para-athletes. The issue of drugs and ethics in sport is also on the agenda for the IPC and the IOC. I spoke with him while he was at the IOC Congress in Peru. Firstly, it's an absolute privilege and honour to have been elected by the, the members around the world. It's something that's huge coming from, from New Zealand and it's a real credit and respect to what we offer, in particular when we only have uh, seven Oceania votes. So to pull 84 um, means a lot of work internationally um, and to say I think we are well respected, so that's great. You know, you, you want to leave, not that I'm thinking of leaving just yet, but you want to leave an organisation better than when you came in. And I think, for me, um, a lot of it is going to, to do globally with how, through the platform of sport and through para-sport, um, we have an impact and change social beliefs and you know, accessibility and inclusion and understanding 
um, of people with disabilities and how they should be and can be a meaningful part of society. So that, that's going to be an ongoing task, um, but that will be the legacy aspect. And it's really picking up off the platform that Sir Philip Craven, our president, has left for us. Um, and we're now the custodians to, to drive that further. So compared... We've actually got a number of other challenges um, you know, in this relationship and, and um, with the IAC and how do we develop that more. And we've got Russia that is currently out of our program and we're working, working hard to get them back in. Sorry, um, yeah, the IOC seems to be going through a period of transition and, you know, ethics and those sorts of things, and the IPC is appears to me to be more to trying to build in some way. But you, you, you can work together. I mean, you, possibly you're trying to achieve different things. I think we have the same objective. Um, unfortunately, we did take two different paths um, in the decision around um, prior to Rio with with Russia and, and the um, the the drug taking um, issues, um, and constitutionally, the IPC was able to take a different decision to what the IAC has, and there's different views as to was it right, was it wrong. I think it's probably fair to say. From an ethics point of view, we have got a lot of support and credit for the decision that we made. No one wants to send athletes out of programs, um, but also we've got a, a, a task, really, and with a custodian to ensure that we have the right platform and a fair platform for athletes that aren't choosing. Um, so we, we believe we were, we were faced with a, a difficult decision, but I believe we made the right decision. And like the IAC... They are currently reviewing um, the McLaren report and, and the accusations that are in that. Um, the common ground that we have is we both want to get back to a point that you know we've got clean athletes, clean sport, um, and, and get back to the, the reason why we exist. That's Dwayne Kale, and that's extra time for this week. Noho ora, Myra. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.